don't like it when the common people sing a single song. They don't like it when forgotten people realize we're strong. They don't like when race and gender join with class as one agenda. But it's tough. We've had enough. And we are coming. Yes, it's tough. We've had enough. And we are coming. Common people. Breaking through the class ceiling. A podcast brought to you by New Writing North. There aren't enough working class voices in publishing today. It's about who you feel is your tribe. My actual drive to writing is to find the people that I connect with. Lack of representation, lack of authentic voice. Working class voices have been the voices of the powerless. Literature as a whole would benefit from allowing them to flourish. Yes, it's tough. We've had enough. And we are coming. There is such a wide variety of experience of being working class, rural, urban, northern, southern, haves and have-nots. I am Kit Duval. I'm an author and I also am fairly active in promoting equality in publishing. It's an idea I had that there certainly just were not enough working class voices in, in working class stories being told but also just my own experience that actually there's lots of working class writers out there that maybe they've assimilated or maybe people have never asked the question, but they are well-known writers that are working class. And so Common People is an anthology of working class stories written by working class writers. I wanted to bring together those people that had had some success in publishing as well as unheard voices, people that had really struggled to be heard. You know, there's, there's rightly a lot of attention on diversity these days. We see an increasing number of people who are diverse in terms of their sexuality and gender identity, their race, disability to a, to a, a different degree as well. But class remains one of the great issues that we don't always see represented. I'm Tony Walsh. I'm based in Manchester. I'm a poet, writer, educator. I was really excited when Kits, who put the anthology together, invited me to contribute a poem, initially with the thinking that it would close the book, and it ended up opening the book. And I wrote a poem called Tough, and the refrain of it is, they don't like this, they don't like that. They don't like it when we make it, despite all their ifs and cuts. They don't like it when we take it as our right to shake things up. And, and who, who would the they be? You know, these class issues we're talking about, we call them social exclusion. It's being excluded from life, excluded from opportunities. And so the they is a a nameless sense of those who would exclude you from things, those who would only allow you a poverty of experience as well as a financial poverty. So it's it's a a mass amorphous they who it can feel like are in uh, cahoots to keep you excluded. There aren't enough working class voices in publishing today. I'm Professor Katie Shaw and I'm Professor of Contemporary Writing at Northumbria University. The Common People Project was to address a recognised national challenge, the underrepresentation of working class writers in UK publishing. It's not specific to publishing, but it's very important that we address it in publishing because publishing is one of our biggest creative industries in the UK. You know, we're one of the world's biggest exporter of books and publishing has what we might call a source influence because publishing as an industry feeds lots of other creative industries. And the Common People Project, it did something quite unique really. So it aimed to 
work for the very first time with all of the regional racing development agencies in the UK, along with major UK publishers and literary agents and academic researchers to create a published anthology. And then alongside that was a year-long rating development programme. I was researcher in residence and the rating development programme worked with the new writers and put them in contact with a professional mentor from the industry. And alongside that, they had um, professional development days, putting them in a better position to be successful in the industry in the future. My name is Lisa McInerney and I am an Irish novelist and short story writer from a working class background. I wrote an essay for the Common People anthology called Working Class and Escape Manual. Of the various social classes, working class is the most slippery. If, like me, you were born into a working class family or community, do not be concerned about being labelled in perpetuity. The world is lousy with people who will happily erase your identity and you don't even have to pay them. Whatever about median income and the evolution of Marxist theory, if you've got a pair of chinos or a third level education, prepare for middle class assimilation. I really believe that there is an assumption from a lot of middle class people that everybody working class wants to be middle class and it's just not true. My name is Jodie Russian Red. I'm a writer, poet, artist, part-time administrator. I don't think working class culture has got anything to do really with your finances because you can win the lottery. I think Noel Gallagher is still working class and he's one of the richest guys in the country. It's about your culture. My experience of the publishing industry at the moment is that the working class voice needs to be gritty and kind of depressing, like portraying a really hard life, which I don't have, I have a really average, ordinary life. I really hope that we start to celebrate working class culture for being what it is, for being quite funny. That's from my perspective because I like to write humour. I think one of the most controversial things for people's lived experiences of social class and something I relate to myself is about whether education has a transformative role or life has a transformative role in as much as it moves you away from your roots to a different class and whether class is something that you can shake off like an old skin or whether it's something that's indelible, it's inked on you and it's part of who you are, whether it's your accent or your opinions or your personality or your values. It's uncomfortable to me to think that by any measure, whether it's cultural capital or social capital, or to a degree economic capital, that I, I would be middle class these days. The quote is Aristotle, give me the, the child until he's seven and I'll give you the man, is the quote, rings very true for me as well. And I, my experience was not just working class, but a lower strata of working class, not just working class, but deprived. I nearly died of uh, rheumatic fever related to poverty when I was three. And if you've ever been cold or hungry or scared or excluded or cried in a DHSS office or wore a plastic bag between two pairs of socks in your shoes, then those things stay with you. But there's a working class thing of, of not just negativity, not just painful experiences, but the whole positive strand to working class culture as well, the language and the humour and lots of cultural references that I still feel very strongly. When I first got approached to be in the Common People Anthology, I mean, I said yes, unhesitatingly, and then started to think, you know, there will be some people who will say, well, hang on, how are you working class? My name is Stuart McConey, and I am a writer and a presenter and general kind of media oddbod, I suppose. And in terms of my background, I very definitely am, I think, and I think that is probably a more profound and shaping influence. 
you know, than the fact that I've got a, a Nespresso coffee machine. I think it means less than the, I'm the child of two factory workers who grew up on a council estate. You know, I think I'm a working class person who's a comfortably off working class person, I suppose, if anything. I do feel that it's the last great unspoken distinction, shall we say, or uh, prejudice in British life. And that runs through, I think, everywhere, particularly some of the areas of the media I work in, like publishing and broadcasting. It's about power. And I think working class voices have been the voices of the powerless. And that's cut through lots of other distinctions, ethnic, identity, sexuality, regional. It's about where you align your sensibilities with, how that puts a slant on the world that you live in, very often in your political views, but not always. And who you feel is your tribe. You know, for me, that's a lot to do with sensibilities and sympathies and empathies. I write about working class characters. I do so not because I want to redress the balance in English language literature, where characters seem to be comfortably middle class by default, but because it's my default. No car, no holidays, no opinion on Joyce, a council house, a cynic's caution, an army of cousins. It surprises me when I'm asked questions about my supposedly noble motives or referenced as a writer who writes about lives that are not often featured front and centre in literature. It shouldn't surprise me because we're all very worried about the homogenisation of literary fiction. But it does surprise me because if I'm working class, why wouldn't I write about working class lives? It's not as if I'm doing it as court-ordered community service. For me, literature should have multiple accounts of multiple communities and multiple experiences without writing from working class people and lives about working class people. You are giving a very skewed view of what it is to be human. You're saying that this is how we all are. This is how we all live. If you don't have an array of voices saying, well, this is how I live, then you're just not telling the truth. And I think being authentic and telling the truth, the whole truth, is what literature should do. What is art meant to be? It's meant to be the pursuit of truth and beauty. And there's deep truths in in all communities that need to be reflected. There are beauties and joys to working class culture, a richness of language, a richness of humour, that it's important to uh, reflect as well, a richness of community. There's really rich social spheres that are relatively untapped and I think literature as a whole would benefit from allowing them to flourish. I'm Sean Wilson, I'm a part-time postman, a full-time writer and uh, I'm from Cumbria. All through my life my mum's been trying to get us to speak properly but I've always sort of resisted it. I've never felt much of a talker, I suppose that's linked in with coming from a small northern town with a regional dialect, it's something I've felt ashamed of in a way and it's always made us a bit shy of speaking. From that point of view, I write through necessity as as a means to express myself. At first I tried to write like the writers I've been reading. It's something I've learned to embrace, actually degrading the language for authenticity and to give my writing a uniqueness. When individual writers or uh, people who are attempting to be, you know, kind of editors, people who are trying to break in to publishing, they encounter particular barriers that are related to social class. My name's Dr David O'Brien. I've got this grand title of Chancellor's Fellow in Cultural and Creative Industries at the University of Edinburgh. 
people who have got better connections, people whose you know families are based in London or can uh, help them out with with the cost of living in London, which is where a kind of significant majority of the publishing sector is. There's a culture of of things like internships, some of which can be very underpaid. People who have got, I guess, the right sort of cultural connections, not just their social networks, but their ability to feel, you know, kind of in place in particular parts of the publishing sector, they tend to get better opportunities. It's not just middle class, it's actually very upper middle class in publishing. My name's Jonathan Patterson. I work as a finance director at Shet UK, so second biggest um, trade publisher in the UK. I'm originally from Teesside, grew up in a town near Middlesbrough from a working class upbringing. I feel like I might have moved in my subconscious from us to them. Now, I absolutely still don't 100% fit in, but I've been working in publishing for 10 years now. I feel really comfortable in my job and in my place in, in the work that I do. But when I got into publishing, no single other thing ever made me so self-conscious as the fact that I sounded different to everybody else. I change a lot about myself to fit in as well. So I pretend that I went to Manchester University rather than Salford University because a red brick university is going to give you so much more standing. Honestly, it sounds like a joke, but everyone went to Oxford or Cambridge. There exists this canard that aptitude is something you pay for, that talent, hard work and tenacity are part of a success story only when they're moulded into a useful whole by an expensive education, one-on-one tuition, mentorships agreed on golf courses, or good old pre-Reformation style nepotism. Being first rate at something that isn't drinking tins, childbearing or bare knuckle boxing is a surefire tell that the subject was only tentatively working class in the first place. So handy that a person's entire background, upbringing and personal philosophy can be peeled off like a purifying face mask if they make good, for the past is something to be overcome and not celebrated. I think there is a lot of apology that, that comes from being working class. I know that I give loads and loads of talks all the time. And I always make a joke at the beginning about my Brummie accent. And I say, you know, I've got short vowels, I've got a Brummie accent, you know, sorry about that. And I don't mean sorry. I mean, I'm being sarcastic. I mean, yes, I've got a Brummie accent. And there is a sense that, you know, we are not used to these spaces or not welcome in these spaces or we have to behave differently in these spaces. It's not like that I've lied about what my identity in life is, but I have really held back on it. It's not even necessarily that I feel if I'm in a big group of middle-class people that they won't accept me, but I feel like they just won't get it being involved in this project. You just felt so relaxed that there was people who shared this thing with you, who had an experience of being the underdog being the poorest person in the room, it's sort of like a bit embarrassing. Suddenly we're all together, we all feel a bit the same. There's a perception about publishing that it is quite a closed shop and things have changed recently, but I, th- I think that's not without foundation. Most definitely publishing is peopled by middle-class voices within the industry and also in terms of the people that can afford to write and the people that know how to get published, that have networks within publishing that are going to make the route in that much smoother. A lot of the gatekeepers are middle class or upper class and I think people have a natural propensity to engage with or help people from the similar backgrounds. It's, It's human nature, I think. So until there's more like working class gatekeepers, I think that problem will, will always be there. 
and the Common People Project. I feel like I've been given a place at the table, if you like, and I've now got contacts in the industry, and I've signed up with an agent, and I feel like it's just up to me now to deliver the work. Publishers, it's a small industry, Miss London-centric. People work in it for a very long time, generally, particularly in editorial, because it's almost vocational in the desire to get into the industry. So people build up networks. They've worked at different publishers. If an editor has had success with a book from a particular agent, they build trust with that agent, and it just snowballs into becoming completely inward-looking. The snake that eats its own tail. I do think that we've had until very recently, not good recruitment practices. This is how the industry has been, and no one's really, until very recently, said to somebody, you could do something a bit different. I think there is a feeling that certain core elements of learning belong to them. And, you know, there'd been an autodidact or whatever. It's not quite right. I could be wrong, and they would accuse me of being chippy, of course, which is what they always do. It's one of my least favourite words, that idea that if you express any desire to make things more equal, you're simply being chippy, because it implies we should know our place. A lot of this boils down to you, Johnny, you know, you're, you're good at pop music and you're good at sport and things like that, but don't tread on our patch, you know, which is the serious stuff. Working class people know your place but do not know your vicinity or domicile because they're big words for middle-class people. I've gone on about this before because I am loquacious and pugnacious and a bunch of other things working-class people are but can't spell. I started writing and creating any type of creative work because I felt like an outsider. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And I guess my actual drive to writing is to find my people, is to, is to find the people that I connect with because I never felt like I did. The freedom of suddenly thinking I'm writing to someone else, it just, ma- it just makes you feel so much less lonely. You, f- you feel like you're connecting with other people even if you've never met them and you don't even know if they exist. There are these connections between writers and readers and it is all about connection and connections are networks, but it should feel inclusive and not exclusive. My name is Clara Farmer and I'm the Publishing Director at Chatter and Windus, which is part of the Vintage Books Division, Penguin Random House. We are publishing books for anyone and everyone and it's, it's really important that we offer books written by people from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different experiences and that don't necessarily reflect our publisher's personal preferences either you know or personal experiences I want to be someone helping open a door in the way as as an editor your role is helping an author unlock the meaning or their intention of what they want to write and get that message across clearly the idea of being a barrier as an editor is 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 pretty horrible actually it's not what we want to do it's not what we're here to do we're here to enable My personal vendetta is about the staffing in publishing because I do believe that that will get us to the writers changing as well and our output. But to have better salaries, not unpaid internships, not giving people jobs through personal referrals. Um, I'm trying to get us to ban personal referrals. I know PRH have done that. Yes, Penguin Random House has no truck with nepotism. You can't get an internship anymore because you're an author's child or whatever. It's interesting that working class writers often emerge later in life for reasons of economics and circumstance and confidence that was certainly my journey it's really important to those writers to see that there are roots in that it is possible to break through those uh, those barriers but just on a practical level if you haven't got a quiet space in which to do your homework 
know, I worked five nights a week in a supermarket from being 13, 14, and that took away a lot of my reading time. I, I worked five, six, seven days a week, long shifts during college and university holidays, and that saps your energy and takes away the time you've got for reading and, and writing and so on. I go into schools now and colleges, prisons, and, and talk to people and, and talk to potential young writers. And if that had happened to me when I was young, then that would have been so empowering and, and formative. Uh, so that aspect of my work is really important to me. But yeah, there's, there's huge barriers, practical as well as to do with confidence, I think. There's a word in Ireland, notions. Notions, of course, is a synonym for ideas. But in this context, they're ideas of an unwholesome kind. Ideas above your station. Irish people, particularly Irish working class people, live in terror of being accused of having notions. What sort of patience would a community need for a member intrigued by shiny things like poetry, fashion, radical politics or avocados? They are not for people at the coalface. And what's more indicative of notions than making art? What, are you too good to work for a living? When I started writing... When I tell people what I'm doing that knows, they either laugh openly in my face or they're inquisitive and they don't really understand what it means. I didn't really know any other writers till I started in this anthology or in my masters. I actually had like people saying to us, you should be concentrating more on your job in the post. Because I think there's that working class expectation that, you know, your manual work comes first and Things like writing is it doesn't happen to people like me. It's it's not a job. One day, I, my dad caught us writing in a diary, and he actually got angry when he realised what I was doing. Cause I don't know if he thought it meant I was soft or effeminate or whatever. Um, and I, I just think that that that's a, a working class thing that a lot of people aren't encouraged the same as as people from other backgrounds. It's not seen as something that you do. It's been good to see that there are other writers actually doing similar things to me. You know, rather than feeling like the odd one out, the, the only person from my background that writes, or from my town or job or whatever, I'm finally part of something. And so where is the working class writer? In my experience, she's found on social media, complaining that all of the other writers are blue bloods whose work is of dubious quality and who topple from their pedestals in a true meritocracy the rules for which she's drafted a dozen times in her head. It's true that writers are more likely to come from comfortably middle-class backgrounds for a number of reasons, not least that it's prudent to have a safety net because there's balls-all money in writing. But when we assume that the working-class writers aren't there, that they're neither in situ nor emerging, how can we support them? How do we go along to their readings, choose their works for our curricula, or, for the love of God, buy their bloody books? Why aren't there more working-class writers? Why aren't there more working-class stories? Because not enough people clamour for them and too many have accepted alternatives as replacements. We're encouraged to believe that there are few working-class artists, few working-class idealists, that creativity is the privilege of the rich because the rich have nothing else to do. So what's more demeaned? Working-class people? Or art itself? There's a market for working class writers because they can write anything. 
of course we need to have authentic voices in our writing and particularly in non-fiction but a working class writer can write genre fiction they can write a speculative fantasy novel they can write a romance novel anyone can write about anything so i really want to stress that i don't think a working class writer or any working class writer thinking about writing or hearing this thinks that that's all they can write about because that's nonsense however is there a market for working class writers writing about working class? Yes, of course there is. There's a, there's a market for everything. People want to see themselves in media. That's the core of representation. It's a massive part of identity and identity politics. And think about the battles that are being fought and have been fought for a long time for inclusion in the media for LGBT people, BAME people, disabled characters on screen, in film, in books. That's the same holds completely true for class. The idea that uh, working class origin individuals could only make it by telling, you know, variations on kind of quite grim poverty porn style stories, whereas uh, others from different social origins with different sets of privileges might be able to branch out into different genres, you know, might be given space to work across, you know, kind of detective fiction, literary fiction, sci-fi, might have the opportunity to be able to tell what we might think of as kind of, you know, universal stories. Particularly white middle-class origin men are given those sorts of expanded or expansive privileges. I think that's the thing that, you know, really publishing needs to be kind of aiming for in terms of equality across everybody who's trying to make it. I'll always feel like a working-class writer, but I've never specifically set out to write working-class literature or to read working-class literature. I just want to be known as a writer and... I'll do my best to make sure that I create the, the best literature possible for people to read, and that's all I want, really. Publishing is, generally speaking, you know, a nice industry made up of nice people that care about books. I don't think there's, you know, some Illuminati that sit around thinking, how can we keep the plebs out? There's nothing like that going on. It's just we have to make sure that inclusion becomes part of the conversation about how having more voices contributes to success. It doesn't water success down. It seems so obvious to me that we should be publishing for everyone. I can't really see an argument to publish in a narrow way. I suppose I've been brought up as a publisher to publish a huge range of books, but if there's still moments where we get it wrong or there are blind spots, we need to be called out on that and need to keep hearing from reports like Common People to remind ourselves that there's still a lot more work to do and we're up for doing it. So what's the state of the working class writer? The state of this one is intermittent irascibility. The constant need to feel out role and place and be okay with it. Class is a construct. But a construct in the same way that our roots are a construct. Those aspects of ourselves we feel connect us to our families, our communities or our countries are no less indistinct and no less meaningful. My experiences will not be written over. All those events and words and challenges and joys that informed my personality whitewashed by my decision to attempt a career in the arts. I reject the idea that culture is defined by the cultured. Of course I do. The idea is profoundly stupid. Slippery thing, though, working-class identity. Particularly if you want to scribble for a living. Worth keeping an eye on it. I'm only saying. (laughs) 
Common People was commissioned by New Writing North and produced by Philippa Gearin with the support of Northumbria University and Arts Council England. Voiceover was provided by Ella Kenyon. Music was by Joe Gardner and included lines from Tough by Tony Walsh, a.k.a. Longfellow. If you want to read this poem in full, as well as Lisa McInerney's complete essay and others by working-class authors, including Sean Wilson, Jodie Russian-Red, Dave O'Brien, Stuart McConey and Kit Duval, you can buy the Common People Anthology, published by Unbound, at unbound.com forward slash books forward slash common hyphen people. And if you want to comment, please tweet us at New Writing North using the hashtag Common People. Yes, it's tough. We've had enough. And we are coming.